Well, good morning. The pie auction is going to be a great time. I'm actually the sous chef as my wife. It says, it says pastor's pie creation, but um, the pastor has an incredible wife who helps me. So that's why it will be edible tonight. So come. It, it, we're excited to do this. Uh, if you haven't ever been, you're like, these, these people are way too excited about a pie auction. I get it. I felt that way too until I attended one, and then I saw how much fun it really was. This has been such a fun week for us because we have been able to host missionary families. And, um, you know, it's one thing to know that we support over 160 missionaries all over the world. It's another thing to have four of those families in the house. And I'm so glad to be able to introduce them to you today. And so I'm going to introduce the families who have been with us. And I hope that you'll take the opportunity, even after the service, to say hello and get to know them. And then tonight, of course, you'd be able to sit down and, over a piece of pie, hear some of their stories. And they've got the stories. So would you join me in welcoming the, the Smiths? Where are they? Right here. Let's give them a hand to Portugal. And then we want to welcome the Robertsons from uh, Costa Rica. Let's give them a hand. And then the Kinmans from Guatemala. Yes, what a great family. And we're so glad to have Riley and Silas Thompson. And they are expecting a baby. So... He technically is present in the service. He already has a name. His name is Benaya. They live in Mongolia. I ask, how cold does it get in Mongolia? 50 below? Oh, my goodness. Thank God for the Thompsons. Um, we want to... We wanna, uh, uh, hear from each one of our missionaries. So I'm going to let the families go ahead and go down. Oh, that's right. We've got something to give them. Yeah, there we go. We, we have a gift for them. All right, thank you. Let's give them a hand once again. So, we're going to do kind of rapid-fire missionary presentations this morning, and then we're going to end with uh, a candlelight service. Um, each one of you in your seat would have found one of these. It is a commitment card. I just want to point out that, you know, I think good intentions really are not nearly as phenomenal as good actions that result out of good intentions. So we have these commitment cards so that you can actually make a decision, I'm gonna do something. And you'll notice there's no name on the card. This is really a decision you make and you make that decision between you and the Lord and then collectively we come together as a church and this is how we fund our missionaries, the ordinary gifts of people on a weekly basis throughout the year and it's been so amazing. So today we wanna hear from our missionaries and so I'm gonna ask them to come. They know what order they're in so I'm going to turn around and see who's behind me. Jerry, Jerry, please talk to us. Good morning, High Street. 
talk if you want, no problem. Good morning. How y'all doing? It's a privilege to be with you this morning. We've had a great time this week. Thank you for ha- for having us, and thank you for saying yes and sending missionaries around the world to send the gospel to Guatemala and around the world. I'm Jerry, uh, your missionary in Guatemala. You've partnered with our family now for 12 years. You have uh, given, you have prayed for us, and you have invested in the ministry in Guatemala. And let me say thank you so much for sending the gospel to Guatemala. Through our part- partnership together, you have had a part in two churches planted in Guatemala, three feeding centers that, that, that give 50,000 meals a year now for over 12 years. You've had a part in that, right? Thank you very much. Not only that, but there's a, there's a third church as well that we, we were able to help a pastor get started with his feeding center and church. And, and also in all three locations, the buy property, build buildings, and, and right now they are debt-free, all three locations. And Sunday today, they're meeting and having services in Guatemala. Thank you so much. Our goal is to do exactly what you do here. Reach families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reach moms and dads and boys and girls and teach them and train them and disciple them, right? That's what it's all about. Our churches are called Family Sanctuary Church, and we target a ministry for the entire family, just like you do here. I like this Bible verse that, that Paul wrote in Acts 26, verse 18. He was talking to King Agrippa with his, tes- his testimony there, and he said that we are called to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in them. He said they have a home in heaven, right? Folks, that's what it's all about. When our, our first church was started in Sumpango, it's a Mayan Indian village, our church was about two months old. And I remember we had just started the service and a family walked in the back doors at that moment, the Bamaka family, mom and dad and four kids. And they were hurting and they were struggling. Their teenage son was on drugs and alcohol, failing his classes in school, was not doing well, and they were all having a hard time. We began to know them, minister to them, teach them. I can tell you today, 13 years later, they're all saved, baptized, faithful. They're in church this week. The kids are now grown up. Uh, the two boys have wives and kids. And, 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 and I think this year, the oldest grandchild is now saved and baptized and discipled, right? Folks, that's what it's all about. Thank you so much for praying. Thank you for giving and thank you for sending. May God continue to bless. We're the Robertson family. Uh, thank you to the Lord's grace. We've been able to be in Costa Rica for uh, right at 11 years. And we've had the opportunity to serve him in, in several different ways. And when I think about missions and, and um the value and the importance of it, I, I can't get away from thinking about John 10.10. 10. And if you know John 10.10, 10, it talks about two different options. It speaks about the fact that there is, there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And then there's another option. There's, there's Jesus. There's Christ, and, and he brings life and life abundantly. And it's in that reality that not just us missionaries live, but all of us live. That's the world that we live in. And that's the reality that all the people that you know live in. And that's one of the things that, that drives us in, in desiring to share the gospel, desiring to share the gospel that changes lives, that brings people from death unto life and see changed lives. 
We've had the opportunity over these years to work in a team, and we were able to work in a new church plant at first, and then also we worked with another more established church, and then we were able to work in a revitalization project. And then over the last five and a half, six years, we've been working in a new church plant. And, and God's been working in that uh, through all this different time. And as I think also about missions, I also I always have to go back to Romans 10. And that, that's one that we look at a lot. But there's just some really important things about that. And the first of it, and it connects to that John 10.10, 10, is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When we, we get to that verse 13 where it talks about just proclaiming him. It's all about Jesus, but then it continues to take us down a road where it teaches us the reality that it's for all people. And that's something that we've had to experience in our life. We grew up as missionary kids, um, but our first ministry out of Bible college was in a church plant in St. Louis. You know what? It's about all people. The gospel is for people here in the States, too. It's for your friends and your neighbors. But also it's for people in Costa Rica. But not only Costa Rica, we've had the opportunity to share the gospel and disciple people who were not there for a long time. But they have gone on to places like Curacao and, and people from China and Venezuela and other places. And, and we're privileged to see God work in their lives. And our desire would be to see them do that too. That passage teaches us also that we, we, have, to, we have to preach this message though, right? And I believe that's all of our responsibility. And not only that... We have to send it. And I'm so, so grateful to be in a church that I know loves missions and that has invested so much. And it's personal to me. Sometimes you might give to missions and some of you might have been able to go to another foreign field and meet some of those people. But maybe some of you guys haven't. I'm here to say thank you. I'm one of them. My wife is one of them. We're, we were reached by missionaries. Now they were our parents. But they were missionaries. And they went, and we were on the mission field in those same rows listening to that same gospel, and our life was changed because of the gospel. And millions upon millions of people's lives have been changed because people were willing to say, yes, I am going to participate. Here? Because you're going to speak the gospel, and in places you'll never go, places I'll never go. What an amazing opportunity. One of maybe the... the, the Experiences we've had that maybe brings me closer even to that first verse that I shared with John 10 is the story of one of our friends, our dear friends that were, were discipling and training a chafet. And he, ra he was raised in a really difficult neighborhood and a really difficult family situation. And I remember one night that his, his wife called me and said, Jonathan, you need to come over here. Chafet's brother was in a shootout. And we can't find him. We don't know where he is. And so I remember going and helping him. We drove to hospitals. We tried to get to the place where they said he was maybe there still. They were waiting for the police to release. And finally it was him. You see, Hafez's friend, I mean brother, uh, he was a hired gun. That was his life. And that's the life that Hafez had been tried to be dragged into. And I remember two days later preaching a graveside message for a hired gun. And being able to share the gospel and teach these people the things that he would wish they knew that day. But we live in a John 10.10 world. Unfortunately for Chafet's brother's life, and there was a thief that just wanted to rob, kill, and destroy. But thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. And for grace, because Hafet was spared from that. And his wife was spared from that. And that's what the gospel does. It changes lives. Thank you so much for being part of it.
Good morning, I'm Dan Smith, missionaries to Portugal, and we just want to thank you guys for the privilege of being able to be here. Um, we have a, a church started in Portugal, and we're hoping, our goal is to see that eventually uh, turned over and self-supporting. We also have a camp that we do there for youth. Uh, we've been there for about uh, officially now as full-time missionaries, about 16 years. And uh, one of the opportunities we have when we come back to the States is to be able to share. Paul in Philippians says that we are partners and you are partakers in grace. And so the relationship between a missionary and a church is, uh, um, according to Paul, it's a partnership. And so we, we work there, you send us, we work there, and there's fruit to your account. And one of the things I'd like to share with you this morning is a little bit about how that fruit and how this kind of works in some respects. Um, just one of our stories was... Uh, uh, about our camp. We got our camp started and we didn't have any access to any camping around us so we kind of started our own. And so this is kind of rugged. We do tents and we call it Camp Dirt because basically that's where it is. It's just in the dirt. Um, but we have a, a next to a lake and it's, it's uh, a really good uh, uh, view from where our campsite is. And so we set up, you know, kitchen tents and meeting tents and so on. And we've been doing this for about 12 years. And there's about four churches that are involved in this. And one of the churches they work more inner city, and they bring a group of kids that are pretty rough. Um, that's, uh, you know, I'm ashamed to say that as the, uh, um, the leaders in the camp, you know, we have discussions about, oh, my word, uh, do we really have to have all of them this year? Because when they're all together, it's just they're wanting to break the rules. They're really rough. It's just... You know, if we could kind of separate a couple of them, if you take a couple of the key leaders out, well, then the rest of the group kind of, you know, don't want to bend the rules and are constantly pushing it and so on. And you're just like, wow, you know, Lord, how do we deal with this? And year after year after year. And then uh, the same church, though, one year had a 12-year-old boy come. Um, he's, his name was Luis. He was termini terminally ill. But he told his parents, he says, the one thing I want to do is go to camp. I hear all the other kids going to camp. I want to go to camp. And so they made all the arrangements with us and how to deal with his illness and so on. And he came to camp. And uh, it was kind of interesting because the rest of his church, they're the, they're the cut-ups. So much so, one particular service, uh, we had a, a Muslim boy that kept coming. He was from North Africa. And he was coming every year, and he was Muslim. And these kids were cutting up so much, this Muslim kid got up, turned around in the middle of the service and said, hey, that's enough. Be respectful. And they all just kind of slinked back, and he sat back down. And we were like, wow, how, how, how much of a cut-up do you have to be to have the Muslims in our camp telling them you need to, that's enough? And so, well, he comes to camp. He enjoyed his time, and it was wonderful to see um, the kids come together. And before he left, they made sure that he had a T-shirt, and everybody signed it because, you know, this was very difficult for him to actually be able to get out and come and sleep in a tent and so on for camp. Three weeks later, we attended his funeral. And what was amazing to us is we went to the funeral and all the kids that were the cut-ups and all the ones that were there constantly just pushing the rules and rebellious, 
the testimony that that kid had. And as we're leaving the funeral, those kids lined up, walked in front of us, greeted us with respect and said, Pastor, thank you so very much, and moved on. A line of them. Do not underestimate the testimony of a, of a genuine faith in Christ and the power of God. That's why we are sent, is to see that testimony carried to places that people do not want to go. And we just thank you for partnering with us. And just also just to kind of Thank you for Luis and his testimony he had. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is, uh, is Silas Thompson. Um, I was asked to, um, to give the best mission sermon I possibly could in 10 minutes. And so we're just going to dive right in, if that's okay to you. Uh, my name is Silas. I'm a missionary in Mongolia. But if you have a Bible, I hope you do. Would you turn uh, to the book of Revelation chapter 5? Revelation chapter 5. If you're, if you're new to church and, and maybe you don't know too much about the Bible, you can just turn all the way to the back of the Bible and then a few pages to the left and you'll get there. It's the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 5. We've, we've spent all week long uh, talking about our ministries, about uh, missions in the world. We spent all week long challenging everyone here to say yes to whatever God would, would challenge you to do, whether that be to pray, to give, or, uh, or to go. And so I want to ask the question this morning, why? Why should you, college student, high school student, why should you give up your hard-earned money and give so that High Street can send more missionaries? Why should you give up the comforts of America to move across the ocean in a place that does not speak your language and who do not want you there? Why go to the hardest places in the world to, to preach the gospel to people who don't want to hear it. Why? And I think we'll find our, our answer in, in Revelation chapter 5. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start in verse 1. And as I read, I'm just going to provide commentary to help us understand what's going on. And then we're going to focus on verses 9 and 10. So starting in verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So this is God seated on the throne. The throne is a symbol of authority and sovereign rule, so there's only one person who can sit on the throne, and it is God himself, and he is holding a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now, there's many arguments as to what this scroll contains, but I, I think, um, I think I'm, I'm right in understanding that it, it contains the, the final damnation of unbelievers and the final uh, restoration of believers. It, it, it contains judgment and salvation and redemption. So we continue on. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? 
You see, none of this could, could come to fruition. You can't have final damnation of unbelievers. You can't have final salvation of believers unless this scroll is opened. And so the question is asked, who is worthy to do so? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So John, he begins to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. There's no final destiny to the world. There's no final salvation of believers. There's no justice, no redemption. He weeps. And in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So John turns, expecting to see a, a, a lion. Instead, he says, in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes representing the omnipotence and omniscience of Christ which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And this lamb who was slaughtered, who looks as if he is slain, he goes to the, the throne and he takes the scroll. And when he takes the scroll, the four living creatures around the throne, the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Notice here that the, the climax of this all ends up with this new song. That this, this lamb, this lamb who conquers He's a conquering lion. He conquers as a slain lamb. It's Jesus who lived the perfect life that we should have lived. We were all called to live in complete obedience to God, and yet we all sin against him, and because of that, we deserve wrath. And yet, a new man came. He lived the perfect life that we should have lived, and he died the death that we Deserve to die. You see, the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And yet Christ died. A sinless person died in our place. But notice here that the slain lamb is not, he's not laying on the ground dead. He's standing. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a slain lamb, but they don't stand. Well, this one does because he is not dead. He is, he rose from the grave three days later and he is now living Conquering death, conquering sin so that we can have life in him. And who did he do all this for? Well, it says in verse 9, you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people from every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people. So, so why? Why say yes to God? Why say yes to giving your hard-earned cash to God? Why say yes to giving your life? And the answer is because this is the heart of God. This is why Christ came. It's, he didn't just come for us. He came for the whole world. He died and was slain so that his blood could purchase people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Turn with me over one chapter to the, book, uh, to the chapter of 7, verse 9. 
John writes, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number. Look at this. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, they were standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches on their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. You see, this mission is sure. The reason we go is because we know that there are people in Costa Rica, in Portugal, in Guatemala, in Mongolia. There are people in Bhutan, Afghanistan, East Asia, South Asia, all around the world that have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And they will come to him. And how do they come? Well, Paul makes it very clear in Romans. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? Will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless there's a preacher? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So the way that the, the world, these nations come to know Christ is through us. See, we are plan A for getting the gospel to the world. And there is no plan B. He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of all that we are. So would you say yes to God? Would you say yes to pray more often for missionaries? Would you say yes to give just a little bit more than you currently are towards missions? Would you say yes to give your life to go and get the gospel to these nations? The, the year was 1732 in Germany. Two young Moravian Christians were attending a church service on a Sunday morning a lot like this one. Their pastor was speaking about a place in the West Indies where there had never been any gospel witness. He talked about an atheist slave owner who owned about 3,000 slaves, all of whom would live and die and never hear of Christ. These two men in their early 20s felt burdened for these people. And they said yes to God. They made the decision to go to this island to preach the gospel to these slaves. Their plan? Sell themselves into slavery so that they could live among these people. Sell themselves into slavery. They weren't just going on a short-term mission trip. They were going to live and suffer as slaves, not knowing if they would ever return. Most of their family members and friends discouraged them from doing this, but they had made their decision. They already said yes. They would serve the one who is worthy of their worship and of the worship of these slaves. And so the story goes that these two men went onto the pier on October 8, 1732 to board their ship. Many of their family and friends were there to say goodbye, and they boarded the ship after saying goodbye and set out. And as the gap between the ship and the shore widened, they locked their arms with each other, and one of them raised his hand and shouted across the gap these final words. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May that be the cry of our hearts today. Well, I appreciate all of our missionaries. Thank you very much. Um, you know, today is a call to action. This is not just an exchange of information. You know, one thing I am so pleased about this church is that before I became the pastor, I was even born, 
When this church was started 85 years ago, this church was already committed to sending missionaries to the world. And for those many years, this church has continued to do that. How? Because the call has gone out to the people in this church, and the question is, will you give so that we can send them? And then it was also this call, will you go to a far distant place if God leads you to go? Will you say yes? You know, the most, one of the most powerful words you and I possess is the word yes. Can you just practice with me? I'm gonna count to three and I want you to all just say yes. One, two, three, yes. That was so lame. Let's try it again. One, two, three, yes. Your yes will guide you into your future. What you say yes to seals your destiny. You know, one day I stood in front of a group of witnesses and Cindy was right beside me and I said yes to taking her as my wife. Actually, a wedding is a lot more poetic than that. I said, I do. It changed my life. What you say yes to absolutely does direct your path, your relationships. You know, today I'm gonna call you to say yes. Maybe you're here today and for you, you need to say yes to Jesus. Because listen to this verse. Jesus shares the Great Commission, which is his final instructions to the church and his people. And I mean, it's recorded in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts. I love Mark because he's so succinct and to the point. Mark 16, 15 to 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, I stand today as a witness to the gospel of Jesus and the work of God in my life that if you have never accepted Jesus as your savior, today you need to say yes. What you're looking for, what you long for, what your hopes uh, seem to revolve around, nothing's gonna work except Jesus. You read through the Gospels and Jesus came and when the people that he met said yes to him, it completely revolutionized their lives. And the disciples who said yes to Jesus were so committed to this truth that would change the world that every single one of them gave their lives. Your yes will direct your future. Your, your yes will change your relationships. You know, today, as a church, what we're, what we're gonna do here right now is we're gonna say, yes, we will continue to be a church focused on the Great Commission. As amazing as it that we have said yes to send missionaries uh, to Guatemala, to Portugal, um, to Costa Rica, to, to Mongolia, where it gets 50 below, that just still shakes me up a little bit. I'm so glad 
Riley and Silas said yes. And when I give my offering, I go with them. There's somebody who was a part of our church for many years and then they moved away because they, they began to work somewhere else. And they called me and they said, hey, listen, you know, the, the, my biggest sadness is when I was at High Street, every week I gave a mission offering. And I felt like I was a part of the great mission. But now in my church, there's no opportunity for me to like actively get engaged. She told me I went on a mission trip to Africa and I had people coming up to me and saying, hey, thank you for, for what you're doing for us. And she says, I was so internally sad because I didn't actively give anymore because none of my churches gave me an opportunity to do that. Just last week, this person called me. They, 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 re, they rehearsed the same story again. And then they said, hey, would it be okay? I know you're having your missions week. Could I just like give my mission offering to High Street? And of course I said, no. No, of course, I, I said, yes. This is a yes service. They said, I'm gonna start doing that. I'm just gonna, how do I do that? I said, go online, you can do it. Then they said, I don't ever want to go somewhere again when someone thanks me for being part of the mission and I'm not. So today, I'm gonna ask you to take your card like I have mine and it's not about, this is not a fundraising moment, although we need money to make this happen. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it's a yes moment. Yes, God, I want to do something. I will be obedient to the Great Commission. It's a yes for me. I will give. I will pray. And for some of you, it might be today. God is saying, you need to go. So I want to ask you to get your card. Um whatever the Lord tells you to give, you give. Once again, your name's not on here. This is between you and God. But it's a way for you to do it. And, um, and then in a moment, I'm going to invite you all to come down. You know, if you're visiting, come down. Grab a candle. Um, just because you want to say yes to the Great Commission. So what we're going to do is we're going to fill out our card you keep this little part to remind you what you promised. It's just between you and God. Put the other one down. Get a candle. And we're going to have a beautiful candlelight moment as we conclude this service.